you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are good. That no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what is going on, you are good. You are good, good God. It is a simple sentence, God, you are good, but it is so massive in what it means. Lord, because of your goodness, we are blessed and we are healed and we are called and we are whole. We are highly favored. We are anointed. We are filled with your power, Lord God, for your glory. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We sing of your goodness. Lord, may we be reminded of your goodness in all things. You are a good, good father. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Gretchen. Uh, this is my son, Caleb. Good morning. Uh, I asked Caleb to come and preach with me this morning because it's Mother's Day and he can't say no. Um, but in all seriousness, God has just given him a call to ministry, and so I'm excited to do this together on Mother's Day. And um, on Mother's Day, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me is I have a family, an incredible legacy of faith on both sides of my family, just men and women who loved God, who pursued God passionately, um, and I'm so grateful for that legacy. I have a picture to show you of some generations of my family. Um, on the far left, that's my mom. Isn't she the cutest? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, she loves God with her whole heart, served the Lord, continues to serve the Lord faithfully, and next to her is her mom. Um, that is what I would call more more. She's Swedish, so the more more is Swedish for mother's mother. That is my more more Svea. She was born in Sweden. Her full name uh, before she went to meet Jesus was Svea Linnea Margreta Fagerstrom Nordell. Um, the Swedes know how to name people. Um, and then next to Svea is my daughter Svea. When she was uh, about four years old, um, she is 18 now. But that is how I see her in my head um, as a little four-year-old girl. But when Daniel and I decided to name Svea um, after my grandmother Svea, this might be the only time in your life you see a picture of two Sveas. Um, it was because a lot of that legacy of faith. Um, the things that Mormore had taught me. She was an incredible woman of prayer. Um, Mormore loved to pray. And she often felt like the day didn't have enough hours because she wanted to pray. And one of the things she did, she owned a Christian bookstore in L.A. And pastors and missionaries and children's pastors would come from all over California to get curriculum and small group materials and stuff from Svea Nordell because they knew she would not only sell them things, but she would pray over it that she would actively be a part of their ministry and prayer. And one of her greatest traditions, she was loved, I mean, by lots of people. And she would get more Christmas cards than any human being I've ever seen. But she wouldn't open them until Christmas morning. And so she had this big basket of cards, and she would ask the kids to bring her the cards, and she'd open them one by one on Christmas morning. And she'd say, this is from a pastor in L.A. leading this church. I pray for him and his family every day. This card is from this missionary in Africa. I pray for their family every day. This card is from a children's pastor. I pray for their kids and their kids' ministry and their vacation Bible school every day. And every single card she would open, she would say, this is so-and-so. I pray for them 
every day. And she loved prayer. She believed in the power of prayer. And we just decided what an incredible legacy to try to pass on to our daughter, Svea. So this morning, uh, Caleb and I thought how great to honor Mother's Day and to talk just a little bit about prayer. And so we have four questions for you this morning, four simple, basic questions to think a little bit about your current prayer life. I call them the do you questions. Caleb does not. He doesn't like that name, but I just keep calling him that because he doesn't like it. So they're the do you's. Got it. Got it. Um, So four questions about prayer for you this morning. Caleb, start us off. Before I get started, I just want to say a big thank you to my mom um, for one, letting me preach with her today and just everything she has done for me. Um, She has driven me to uh, multiple practices and has brought me to school very early in the morning. Yeah, you now go to school school. in the basement, so that's easier. Now I'm homeschooled. She doesn't have to drive me anywhere. (laughs) Um, I never leave the house. (laughs) That is not true either. (laughs) I went a little off script this service. A little bit, a little bit. Um, No, but I just wanted to say thank you for letting me speak with you, and I am very excited. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Caleb. So the number one do you, I guess that's what we're calling it, (laughs) is do you ever try to do it through your own power? Me and my dad recently, um, we put in a microwave. Um, I don't know if you've ever put in a microwave, but putting in a microwave is, um, it's, um, it's an adventure, a journey, um, a test, some would say. But you know, you, you start, you take your microwave down, and you put it on the ground, then you look at the one you have, and you go, Phew. I don't know if that's going to fit up there. <laughs> but we're going to try. So you, you put it up there, and I'm holding it up there, and then it's not like fitting in the groove, right? So my dad's trying to figure out what's going on. I'm still holding this thing up here, trying not to have it, like, smash my face. But, you know, I'm holding it up. My dad's looking at the instructions. She's trying to figure out what it's not going in. So all of a sudden, he just starts, like, banging on it. <laughs> like, that's going to work. Like, he's just like, oh, maybe. And, he's, and I'm still holding it up, and he's, like, banging on it. But we get it in, and we put it up on there, and we screw it in. You step back, and you're like, We did it. Then you high five and then you walk off into the sunset, all victorious like. And that's how you put it in a microwave. But one thing I noticed about putting in a microwave is you could not put in that microwave by yourself. Yeah. I know my dad is absolutely shredded, but he could not have put that microwave up there by himself. Did you say shredded? Is that what you said? Shredded? Shredded. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. No, definitely shredded. I just wanted to make clear that's what you said. Got Got it. it. He can't do it by himself. Thank you. Even though he's shredded. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But you could not, I couldn't put that microwave up by myself. My dad couldn't put that microwave up by herself. You need two people. And there was a, there's a story in Mark 9 where the disciples tried to do something by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I want to read real quick out of Mark 9, 15 through 18. It says, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Mm-hmm. What are you arguing ab- about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is pos- possessed by a spirit. And that robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked the disciples to drive the spirit out, but they could not. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus is coming back to, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went out to the Mount of Trans- Transconfiguration. I got it. Mm-hmm. And was coming back to this. Was coming back to this man saying, I asked for your disciples to heal my son, and they could not. Mm-hmm. Jesus goes on and he heals this son. 
And it's a miraculous thing. He heals this boy from this demon that had a grip on his life. And afterwards, the disciples and Jesus are sitting in a room, and the disciples ask him this question in Mark 28. He says, after, when Jesus was alone in a house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't, you cast out the evil, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out in prayer. Hmm. Now, if you read in Mark 3, Jesus gave the disciples the power to cast out demons. He gave them the authority to heal people. And the disciples used that power, and the disciples cast out demons, and the disciples healed people. But something happened in this instance that they were not able to do it. And when the disciples asked what happened, Jesus said it's because they didn't pray. Mm. Warren Wiersbe said it this way. He said, our own level of maturity is often revealed by how much we are affected by the environment around us in life setbacks. Mm. What he's saying here is that the reason the disciples did not pray about it was because something had set them back, something had weakened their faith enough that they thought that they could do it on their own. And I don't know, if I was a disciple and Jesus took three of the disciples and left on a private mission, I might feel offended by that. I might feel left out by that. Hmm. That might weaken my faith enough to be like, I don't need prayer. I can yeah. do it on myself. Because hmm. they're Good. trying to prove themselves. The disciples right. were constantly trying to do that. Right, right. And that weakened their faith enough to where they couldn't. And my question is, what's setting us back enough? What environment are we in that we are trying to do it alone and we come to the Lord and say, why is it not working? And he says, because this kind hmm. can only be cast out in prayer. That's really good. That's really good. Thank you, Caleb. Have you ever noticed that children uh, think tape is the answer for all things? Um, tape is miraculous in the eyes of young children. When Caleb was about four, he had an aquarium that we were cleaning outside, and it fell off the table and broke into a billion pieces, and his response was, I'll get some tape. And then one time his basketball hoop, the whole metal part, just f collapsed in half. And he said, tape. I'll get some tape. Now, I know these examples are only Caleb, but I've seen it in all of my children. That for some reason, children go through a phase where tape is the answer to all things. Now, I'm not anti-tape by any means. I'm from Minnesota, the home of 3M. So they make tape, love tape. I'm all in about tape. But I know after years of wisdom that tape is not good for all situations, right? But God has given us this miraculous thing, this power that is good in all circumstances, and for some reason we still choose not to use it, not to utilize it, not to have it the way God intended. And the disciples in this story, for whatever reason, chose not to pray. And when they asked God why it didn't work, Jesus said, because he didn't pray. Yeah. Very simple. That's why. And so the first question is, do you ever try to do it in your own power? The second is, do you pray passionately and persistently? Do you pray passionately and persistently? The Bible paints a picture, that's a lot of peas, of a pa pra passionate prayer life Amen. that is persistent. 
right? The Bible talks about this persistency in prayer. We see it in Colossians 4.2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Other translations instead of devote say continue steadfastly in prayer or keep persisting in prayer. The original language it was most translated steadfastly, which means to adhere firmly to, to persist in, to remain devoted to, to give unremitting care to. It carries with it this idea of dedication, commitment, persistency. That word is only used in the Bible 10 times, and four of the 10 is talking about prayer. The Bible gives us this picture of a persistent and passionate prayer life. In James 5, 16, James says this, Therefore, for confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. Listen to this. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. So this, this scripture is showing us this heartfelt, this passion. When coupled with the persistency, when we pray, God get involved and it has tremendous power. I can't explain it, but I know it to be true and I've seen it in my own life. But yeah. the Bible continues to talk about this idea that we are persistent in prayer. James goes on to talk about Elijah. In James 5, 17, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings that we have. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. I love this verse because the author stops to remind us that Elijah is no different than you and me. Elijah has the same limitations, same shortcomings, same humanity. But Elijah prayed intensely for God, and miracles happened all throughout Elijah's life. He prayed intensely. Do you pray passionately and persistently? One of the greatest known verses in Scripture about praying is Luke 11. And it's the verse that talks about asking, seeking, knock at the door. We hear it all the time, but the verbs in that scripture are actually in the present tense. And so the best way to translate that, the Amplified does a great job. Listen to Luke 11 9 in the Amplified version. It says this, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on Knocking and the door will be open to you. So you see, it's this persistency. It's a seeking, an asking, a knocking. It's not a one and done kind of thing. It's not a crisis moment, my car's spinning out of control, Jesus take the wheel kind of prayer life that the Bible is talking about. It's a persistent and passionate prayer life. One of the greatest prayer warriors ever was a man named George Mueller. He ran an orphanage in England. They had very little resources, and God did miraculous things through his faith coupled with prayer. And he had this to say about praying persistently. He said, It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. As if there is no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them, and as if there is no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it, and the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it, 
And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. God is asking us to have a persistent and passionate prayer life. Um, I don't know about you, but have you ever had to give uh, children's toys to the Goodwill? Or decided you were going to clean out a kid's room? So what I do is I go in my kid's room and I find all the things they haven't played with in a century. The things under the bed, the things in the back of the closet, the things with dust on them. Pack them in a box, feel really good about myself. Get the box at the front of the door to take it off to the Goodwill. And then it never fails that the children somehow get home before the box disappears. Looks at the toys in the box that are on their way to the Goodwill. And suddenly the toys in the box are their favorite toys of all time. Everything in the box they suddenly cannot live without. And they want to tell you that they play with that doll every single day. And you're like, you don't even know where I found this doll, right? I think we sometimes feel about prayer the same way kids feel about toys in a box. Yeah. We say we love it. We say it's a part of our life every single day. But the fact of the matter is we don't practice it the way that God wants us to. Number three is, do you pray for and intercede for others? The word intercession really means just to intervene on behalf of, of another person. Um, and you can intercede for people in very, very different ways. Um, one of the ways you can intercede for people is urgent intercession. Um, I remember a time where I'm in a hotel room in Florida at around four in the morning and my parents get a phone call that says that my aunt is not going to survive. And I'm sitting in a hotel room looking out a window, listening to my parents on the phone with a doctor that says my aunt will not live. And all you can do in that situation is have urgent intercession for my aunt's life. Right, right. And I believe that that urgent intercession is the reason that my aunt is not dead. Yeah, amen. Is the reason that my aunt continues to walk into doctor's offices and they go, we don't even know why she can function. <laughs> I believe that that urgent intercession for my aunt's life healed her. Now, but there's also a very different type of intercession that maybe a friend or a brother or a sister or a colleague comes to you and say, I'm dealing with this. Would you help me with it? And you pray and you intercede for that person. I'm going to read James 5.16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Hmm. James is saying here is when we intercede on behalf of another person, they will be healed. Hmm. Yeah. I want to read Colossians 4.2. This is like the fourth version of this verse you're going to hear. It's like... We're going all on Colossians. <laughs> all the versions. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Hmm. Part of interceding for people is being vigilant in yeah, it. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. If your dear friend comes to you with a burden and says, help me carry this, you're not going to be like, okay, pick it up. You walk it a couple steps, and then you drop it, and you run away from it. Part of interceding effectively for people is doing it vigilantly with thanksgiving. And when we do that, we unlock very specific things in people's life. Number one, we, we unlock a spiritual power into their situation. That's so good, yeah. I believe 
a spiritual power is what healed my aunt. Yeah, right, right. right. A spiritual power that was gained through prayers for her life is the reason she is alive. Yeah. Number two, it deepens our commitment to bear each other's burdens. That's so good. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. When a friend comes to you and says, I'm dealing with this, would you help me carry it? Galatians says we should help them carry that. And when we feel empathy and compassion for them, it helps us carry that better. When we intercede and pray for them, we not only unleash a spiritual power into their situation, but we also help them carry that situation through. Yeah, it's good. Number three is it opens our spiritual eyes and we can see what God is doing and how he might want us to use us in the situation. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work in me. So when we pray for other people, he, Caleb was not done. I and still have a, a he's, good amount. He left. still has a good amount, and um. we're going to listen to Caleb now, and he's going to teach us. Go. Uh. <laughs> Okay, here we go. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20, when we intercede for people, it opens our eyes. It opens our spiritual eyes, and we can guide them better. So when we intercede for people, it opens our eyes so we can carry their burden better. And when we can carry their burden better, we release a spiritual power into their situation. Hmm. But one of the things I think trips us up a lot and interceding for people is we forget. Yeah, right. We forget. Somebody comes to us with a problem and we say, yeah, I'm going to pray for that. Take that, devil. <laughs> and then you forget about it. Right. right, right. You cannot unleash a spiritual power into a situation you are not praying for. Yeah, that's good. You cannot carry a burden you are not aware of. Yeah, right. You cannot have open spiritual eyes when you are asleep. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, right. So we must remember to intercede better. Yeah, right. Because when we remember, we unleash a spiritual power. We can carry burdens, and our spiritual eyes will be open. Now you can go. Great, thank you. Thanks for permission. That's really good, Caleb. Um, I love the imagery of, you know, we can't do things if we're asleep, right? Um, but for some reason, we just get in these ruts, and, and, and we do sleep without harnessing that power that God has given us. The fourth thing that when we persistently intercede for other people that it does is it helps us learn when the Bible talks about waiting on the Lord, it helps us learn what that means. Yeah. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Uh, one of the scriptures that God gave me this year in some of the hardest times I've been through was a very famous passage of scripture, um, Isaiah 40, 31. And I would read it over and over and over again. Uh, but at one point, God led me to, lead, to read it in the Amplified Version, and it says this. But those who wait for the Lord who expect, look for, and hope in him 
will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. See, we hear the word wait and we think it's simply the passing of time. We think waiting is inactive. But the Bible talks about a spiritual waiting that is not passive. That when we wait on the Lord, we expect, we look for, and we hope in him. That we're expecting God to move. So when we pray for other people through situations, sometimes that are incredibly long-suffering, when we persistently pray for others in those situations, we start to expect God to move. Yeah, come on. And what an amazing gift that the people of God can be for the world around us when we are expecting God to show up, right? And we're looking for God to show up. When we're waiting on the Lord, we're looking for where God is moving because oftentimes we want to say, I'm praying and nothing's working, right? We want to say that all the time. But often it's because we're not looking with spiritual eyes, God is moving. God is doing things behind the scenes. God is active in ways that we simply aren't seeing because we're not looking at it with spiritual eyes. So when we wait on the Lord, we expect him to move. We're looking for him to move, and we're hoping in him. I hate the way our language decided to use the word hope. We use it for just—we use the word hope for the same as wish— right? I hope for this. I hope for this. I hope this, right? I hope it won't rain ever again in St. Louis, yeah, right? Like, I just hope, I hope. But the Bible uses hope very differently. Yeah. Hope is not wish in God's vocabulary. Yeah. Hope is a trust. It's a confidence. It's an assurance of something that will happen. So when Isaiah tells us to hope that God will move, it's a trust that he's moving and will move in ways we cannot see or expect, right? Yeah. So when we consistently pray for others, we have our spiritual eyes opened to what it truly means to wait on the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And that verse goes on to say, if you wait in the Lord... You will rise up close to God like an eagle. You will run and not become weary. You will walk and not become tired. How many of us would love to live this life without being weary and without being tired? And one of the greatest tools we have to rise close to God, to feel like we are living life, soaring like an eagle, is to learn to wait on God. And one of the best ways we have to learn that spiritual principle is to persistently pray for other people and to watch where God's going to move in their life, to listen to maybe how God wants to use you to move in that situation. When we pray for other people, we learn to wait on the Lord. So the first thing, do you ever try to do it in your own power? Do you pray persistently and passionately? Do you intervene for other people? And the last one is, do you pray prayers full of thanksgiving and gratitude? See, when we talk about prayers, we often think about it in those first two categories. I'm going to pray for myself, what's going on, what I need, what I want, what's not going well. And I'm going to pray for other people around me, my friends, my families, my, my co-workers. But the Bible talks about this other aspect of prayer where our prayers are full of thanksgiving of who God is. 
that our prayers consist of us thinking and reflecting on how good God is. That song we sang earlier, the goodness of God. Are we thinking, praying through those things? In Psalms 143, the psalmist says this, I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt afraid? And the psalmist goes on to say, I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about you, what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched lands thirst for rain. Yeah. As parched lands thirst for rain. That's how much the psalmist longed for God. And that longing was coming from that remembering. That there was a spiritual discipline of remembering all that God had done, pondering the good things that God has done. And in that reflection, that prayer life of remembering who God is, what he has done, where he has shown up, the psalmist no longer felt hopeless or fearful. And so when we learn to have this prayer life where we not only are praying for ourselves, praying for others, but we're stopping to ponder all of the things that God has done, we again start to see things with spiritual eyes. We start to remember. And one of the principles in Scripture is if God's done it before, he'll do it again. The things that God showed up for the people in Scripture, God's going to show up for us. And that if we live this life where we actively are being full of gratitude and full of thanksgiving, our situations start to look very, very differently. Right? And we start to see in the times and the places where we say, well, God's not answering. God's not showing up. When we stop and ponder who he is— we start to see, you know what? God is showing up. Amen. God is moving. Amen. And I'm going to continue to pray persistently and with thanksgiving and continue to watch God move and hope in him. Amen. So four questions for today. Do you ever try to do it on your own power? Do you intercede for others? Do you pray persistently and passionately? And are your prayers full of thanksgiving yeah. and gratitude? And at Elevation, we desire to build a house full of people who are passionate about prayer. We don't want to just talk about it. We want to live it out. We want to be people who believe in the power of prayer, who have seen God move, and faithfully pray for each other. And we want to be a part of helping people develop a prayer life that is powerful and active. We have teams of people that love prayer so much that they stand in the corner after every service and wait to pray for you because they know God moves. We have people who take the prayer requests that you write on those cards every single week and they get that list on Monday morning and they pray through it and they pray through it and they pray through it. And as a church, we continue to see prayer requests that are put on these cards that get to our intercessor team. God, show up and answer in amazing ways. Amen. Right? And so we also have these prayer guides at our Bible resource wall in the lobby. These guides are designed to help teach you how to pray. If you'd like to know more about how to be a person of prayer, I encourage you to pick one up. If you'd like to join our intercessory team that prays over the prayer requests of this church, just write it on your Connect card. We'll get you plugged in. If you have a need, if you come in here sometimes feeling hopeless or fearful, I encourage you to go ask someone to pray for you because they want to help carry that burden for you. And prayer, at at the end of the day, prayer is a relationship. It's our communication tool with the God of the universe. 
God, for some reason, wants to hear what I have to say. God, over and over in scripture, asked me to talk to him. Now that blows my mind. Why would the God, the creator, the all-knowing care what I say? Because he loves me? Because he wants to hear from my heart? He wants to have that relationship with me? He wants it to be constant and persistent and an active part of who I am. And the first part of having a relationship with God is saying yes to Jesus. That's the first step. And every single Sunday at Elevation Church, we give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. We also give people the opportunity to say, I may have slipped in my relationship with God, but I want to come back. Because we never want to miss an opportunity for people to start the most amazing relationship they'll ever have. So would you guys pray with me? Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you want us to pray to you. I thank you that you tell us in ways we can't imagine or understand that when we pray, we unlock a spiritual power. Lord, I want to be filled with that power. Lord, I ask you right now to have us all think through those questions. What are the areas in our own prayer life, Lord, that you would have us improve? Lord God, we thank you that you have so much grace. Lord, I thank you that you give us the opportunity to pray to you. Now for the person in the room who maybe never has accepted Jesus, never has said yes to that relationship, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Right now in the midst of our prayers, if you want to say yes to Jesus, or if you want to come back to Jesus, I simply want you to just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. I want to start that relationship. And here at Elevation, those of us that accepted Jesus, we don't need to say that prayer every week because God honors it. But we do it as a reminder of the greatest prayer we ever pray. We do it as a community of faith. So would the rest of you join me in praying for that person who wants to start that relationship today? Would you repeat after me, dear Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you help me start a relationship with you? Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. And I want you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?